Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris. This week on At The Movies, a team of supervillains and psychopaths are brought together by the government to try and save the world from an alien threat. That's when they're holding flat. Nothing like a bloodbath to start the day. They call you peacemaker. I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women and children I need to kill to get it. A Kiwi teacher's past comes back to haunt him in terrifying fashion. Later on, when you're looking back at this occasion... I think that right there is going to be the moment you wish you'd done something. And an octogenarian goes undercover in a Chilean retirement home to reveal poor treatment and elder abuse, but is surprised by what he actually finds. Fui a investigar a la pieza de Marta y encontré varios objetos que pertenecen a otras personas. American women all love accents. We do, because we don't got none. Yo, is this a dog? What? Is, is this thing a dog? A, a dog? Yes. What What kind, kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I don't know. I'm not familiar with all the breeds. I'm going to go with Afghan hound. Just when is an Afghan hound have bloody thumbs? Oh, my God. Is it a werewolf? I want it to meet a werewolf forever. Yo, they shot me into a werewolf? He's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children. But, you know, we got him to... I think he's agreed to do this. Whatever the case, just everyone get in a position to drop. The first Suicide Squad movie, written and directed by David Ayer, was an artistic and commercial disappointment for DC and Warners, even though hardcore comic book fans embraced it and are now the strongest advocates for both it and an eventual release of Ayer's original cut, butchered, they say, by a studio that wanted a film that was more like the trailer, and so they employed the trailer producers to recut and reshoot the film. An attempt to confront the wholesome and dominant Marvel comic book universe with something a little different, something more grown up, the 2016 version of Suicide Squad was an expensive mess that squandered the star power of Will Smith and failed to land a punch on the competition. And the main reason was that it wasn't very funny. Or funny at all. Or or even meant to be funny, I can't recall. Each member of the team is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. This is Christopher Smith, known as Peacemaker. In his hands, anything is a deadly weapon. His father was a soldier who trained his son how to kill from the moment he was born. Are you having a laugh? What? You just said each member of the team is chosen for their unique abilities. He does exactly what I do, but better. 
I always hit my targets dead center. I hit them more in the center. You can't hit something more in the center. I use smaller bullets. What? They go inside your bullet holes without even touching the side. Next up is King Shark. In 2018, James Gunn, one of Marvel's most successful directors and someone the studio thought they could trust to work alongside Taika Waititi to lead the development of the next 10 years of superhero money-printing machines, retroactively blotted his copybook with a series of tweets from 10 years earlier, and then he found himself fired. For most people I know, this is the dullest topic imaginable, so I thank you for still listening. I bring it up only because auteur outcast Gunn and the character outcasts in the Suicide Squad combined with an obscene amount of money from a global media empire that knows no other strategy than to keep doubling down on their IP are now the perfect match for each other. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Gunn's transgressive sense of humour was pushing at the boundaries of Marvel and Disney's sensibilities and without them, he can offend with freedom. The original Suicide Squad was a great idea, but an abject failure in the entertainment department. This week, Gunn's reboot, reimagining, sequel, but is it really, arrives in cinemas, and that mysterious third component of success might be what distinguishes between success and failure. Timing. The Suicide Squad, note the uh, definite article, is funny, smart, snappy, innovative and light on its feet. But right now, is it the film that audiences want? Control, we have a disturbance south of here. It's just a diversion, blood sport. All right, we cut through the jungle to get to Valley de Mar. Don't they have blockades at the city limits? That's the word. How are we getting in? Especially with Charlie the Tuna here. How the hell am I supposed to know? You're the leader. You're supposed to be decisive. And I've decided that you should eat a big bag of dicks. How's that? You're being facetious. But if this whole beach was completely covered in dicks, and somebody said I'd eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problem. Why would someone put penises all over the beach? Who knows why madmen do what they do? You know what I think? I think liberty is just your excuse to do whatever you want. Whether that's to eat a beach full of dicks or killing folk. Oh, yeah? At least I don't kill men for money like you. Oh, here we go. Just like in the first film, Viola Davis plays a government security official recruiting criminals and assorted headcases to take on impossible but essential undercover missions. In the latest version, she has chosen Idris Elba, known as the assassin Bloodsport, John Cena, stealing every scene he's in, as he did in the recent Fast and the Furious film. He plays the deranged fascist Peacemaker. Daniela Melchior is a young woman who can summon rats. And Sylvester Stallone is the voice of a shark who can walk on land. Along with the rest of their team, their task is to infiltrate the Latin American island of Corto Maltese, which, thanks to a military coup, has a new leader who looks strangely like Lionel Messi. And then they have to destroy the secret American-funded Nazi research facility, which contains an alien starfish with the capacity to destroy the world by crikey. Unbeknownst to them, anti-hero of three previous films, Harley Quinn, played with an enthusiasm commensurate with her love of the character, as well as her obvious contractual obligation, by Margot Robbie. She's also on the island and has a mission of her own. I'm sorry. 
Recently, I made a promise to myself that the next time I got a boyfriend, I'd be on the lookout for red flags. And if I saw any, I would do the healthy thing. And I would murder him. And killing kids... It's kind of a red flag. I know, I know, I know what you're trying to say. Harley, why not just leave? And I'd say, why are you screaming at me? I'm not deaf, I'm standing right here. And then I'd say... When your taste in men is as bad as mine, they don't just go away quietly. They slash your tires and they kill your dogs and tell you that the music you like ain't real music at all and all the cruelty. Tears you apart after a while. The Suicide Squad follows a predictable path with its humour, set up and then rug pulling over and over again. But it's more interesting in its wider context. Unlike the pseudo-politics of the Marvel movies where no regime ever gets called out by name, this picture doesn't shy away from highlighting the victims of American exceptionalism in Latin America over the past 50 years, along with the corruption and degradation that goes along with it. It's ironic then that Panama, by offering the studio a backdrop for the recreation of their own exploitation and then giving the studios a subsidy on top, ends up kissing the ring of Western capitalists for Yankee dollars once again. But let's not forget that despite all the blood and gore, it's the Suicide Squad with a heart of gold. Almost every character has a traumatic backstory and a redemptive arc. This squad just needs a hug. Even someone who has to shoot lethal polka dots out of his skin twice a day simply to survive has a desperately sad story of abuse and neglect at his heart. But we laugh at him just the same. You remind me of my daughter. The reason I'm here. Why are you so afraid of rats? My old man. When I was a lad, if I didn't finish a task right, he would dole out the punishment. And one day he just locked me in a crate for 24 hours. And it was full of starving rats. As imperfect my father was. He loved me. I wish I could give that to you. Don't you worry, eh? I'm going to get you out of here alive. I'm going to get you out of here alive. The Suicide Squad is rated R16 for graphic violence, offensive language and cruelty, which is a shame, as mid-teen boys would absolutely lap up this level of unsophisticated humour. It's in cinemas now. Here's a philosophy, old son. I'm guessing you probably wouldn't know what to look at me, but I'm actually a bit of a sort of a sucker when it comes to reading. I reckon I would have done all right at university too. Things have been different. You know, not to knock your profession, but I just think that every lesson you can be taught look here in the course of your life anyway. You know? Something I've been sitting on for a while, I want to get your take on it. 
New Zealand's burgeoning global reputation for quirky, deadpan comedy films is not going to be helped by James Ashcroft's Coming Home in the Dark, a throwback to a darker period in our cinema and literary history where the remote and rural parts of the country hide sinister forces that can put innocent visiting townies in peril. It premiered at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival a year and a half ago. A terrific coup to get a slot like that at such a prestigious festival. But COVID and the deteriorating conditions for releasing films internationally meant that the producers have had to pause the rollout until now. It's been worth the wait. Based on a short story by Owen Marshall, with a screenplay by James Ashcroft and Eli Kent, and directed by Ashcroft, Coming Home in the Dark follows a middle-class Kiwi family on a road trip into the back blocks. The original story was set in the Mackenzie district, but the film is less specific. Bickering during a picnic lunch, the family are interrupted by two strangers. One is Pakia and talkative, the other is Pacifica and taciturn. It turns out the Pakia man has a gun. Is this a robbery, an opportunistic moment to pinch some valuables and steal a car while there are no witnesses around? Or is it something more sinister? In the opening shot of the film, we see the family drive past an abandoned Mercedes by the side of the road, oblivious to this clue that something may not be quite right in this part of the world. There are cops everywhere in Coming Home in the Dark, but they're never where we need them to be, another sign that this particular part of New Zealand somehow resists the usual forces of law and order, or is impervious to them. I want the boys to have a place to spend their summers with a sense of community. We're okay with not having that. Yeah, I'm personally not craving a sense of community. Not about the obligatory committee meetings, the politics, the <laughs> passive aggression. Helen? No, I'm, I'm serious. I, I had to organise a fundraiser with Jenny and it was impossible. Yeah, I got so Helen. angry, I almost said something. Can we help you? This is nice. The Pakia man calls himself Mandrake, as if he's one of those self-created supervillains from the Suicide Squad. He's calm and self-possessed, at ease with the power he has over this family. He's played by Daniel Gillies in one of the two revelatory performances in the film. Gillies is best known as a handsome television leading man, but his turn here is terrifying and malevolent. The other superb performance is from Eric Thompson as Hoagie, the father, a high school teacher for whom some chickens may be coming home to roost. Thompson is also best known as a television leading man in Australian family-friendly shows like Pack to the Rafters and All Saints. Here, he and the filmmakers deftly undermine that everyman persona to reveal some of the secrets below the surface. Full disclosure here, Eric's a cousin of mine, and it's lovely to see him stretched like this in something so powerful. That's not to say that the performances by the other two adults in the film are secondary, even if the characters might be. Midiama McDowell plays Hoagie's wife Jill, and Matthias Luafutu is Mandrake's offsider Tubbs. Powerful presences both. Hoganrad. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Hoganrad? Yeah, that's, that's right. Can't be too many of those around. It's Dutch. Interesting name. Yeah, it's as interesting as Mandrake. I'm a magician. I make things disappear. 
Here's a look at you. Hey? Hey? hey. Hogan Rod. I want to make special mention of cinematographer Matt Henley's widescreen compositions. They're wide and deep at the same time, beautifully framing people in the landscape, but also when they're trapped together in close quarters. We're improbably lucky here in New Zealand with cinematography talent, and Henley's credits up to now are mainly in shorts, including several made for Toy Fakari, the New Zealand drama school, projects where the students from all departments get to work alongside industry professionals to make high-quality and, in several cases, festival-quality films. I wish people had more opportunity to see those. I'm not 100% sure the ending works, but I can't tell you why without revealing what it is, so... It's a bit pointless of me even mentioning it. But the filmmaking leading up to that point is so assured, the atmosphere so consistently tense, the sense of dread so palpable but also so grounded in the New Zealand context, it's easy to see why Ashcroft has been identified as a talent for the future by some big international players. Everybody involved in this is operating at the highest standard. And while this kind of nightmare story isn't for everyone... It's a terrifically successful piece of genre filmmaking. I always knew there was something. I could see it in your eyes. I could see you go back there. There is a difference between doing something and letting it happen. There has to be. Coming Home in the Dark is rated R16 for violence, cruelty, offensive language and content that may disturb. And it opens in select cinemas all over New Zealand this weekend. Fui a investigar a la pieza de Marta y encontré varios objetos que pertenecen a otras personas. La Marta es muy rápida para llevarse las cosas all of this week's films, in one way or another, are horror films. Coming Home in the Dark describes itself as such in its publicity. The Suicide Squad is a goofy horror featuring exploding heads and lots of gore. And our final title may be the most affecting of them all, an existential horror about the inevitable journey we all take into decrepitude and irrelevance. At least, that's how it sometimes seems. The Mole Agent is an Academy Award-nominated documentary from Chile about an 82-year-old widower recruited by a private detective to go undercover in a Santiago retirement home. There have been rumours of elder abuse, and the daughter of one of the residents wants to be sure her mother is being cared for properly. After some basic but important training in trade craft and technology, and despite the protestations of his own children, who quite like having him around, the charming Sergio enters the facility for what will end up being months of clandestine reporting. Este, ¿qué lo que es? Un lápiz. Si tú miras con la lupa, ahí, en el puntito de arriba, ¿lo ves? Sí. Ahí está la cámara, la micro cámara. Yeah. Ahí se supone que te estoy... Se supone que te estoy grabando. With a recording device hidden in his thick-framed spectacles, he wanders the corridors of the unsuspecting retirement home, looking for evidence that bathrooms are not being cleaned properly or that dressings might not be changed regularly.
But the mole agent takes a turn when Sergio becomes less interested in finding evidence of abuse, mainly because he doesn't find very much, and more interested in the lives of the people he's sharing the home with. It turns out that many are lonely and unhappy, but not for the reasons that the private detective and the resident's daughter might think. Once the mole agent drops the conceit and the heavy-handed gumshoe noir effects and music, it becomes one of the sweetest and saddest little films I've seen in a long time. The lessons for a long and happy life are simple to understand, it turns out, but not easy to implement. Stay connected to the world, especially your family. Maintain your curiosity about the world and the people around you. And pay attention to your physical health, especially chronic pain, which can drive you out of your mind long before your time. While there are some scenes in The Mole Agent that are heartbreaking, there are many that are heartwarming. And once you've got past the idea that this geriatric spy is somehow walking around with a professional camera crew in his wake, you'll be captivated by Sergio and his friends. The Mole Agent is rated G for what's officially described as very mild themes, although I would venture that if you or your parents or grandparents are of a certain age and infirmity, these are some pretty heavy themes indeed. It's playing in select cinemas around New Zealand now. Oh Lord, my God. And that's our program for this week. We're playing ourselves out with a Kiwi classic, the second time that Fakadia Mai, How Great Thou Art, has featured in an iconic New Zealand film. From memory, the first was in the superb drama The Dark Horse in 2014, the Prince Tuiteka interpretation, which I'm very fond of. But from Coming Home in the Dark, this is Sir Howard Morrison's definitive version, a live recording by TVNZ that became a hit record in 1982. I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin, that's all one word, and there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. I'll be back next week with Nicholas Cage as a reclusive Oregon truffle hunter on a mission to find his stolen pig. So why not join me here once again at the same time next week? Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. 
Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.